2: Welcome. This is Wacky Wednesday here on the Arrowhead Attic channel. I'm Adam Best here as always with the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and the magnificent producer Richard doing his thing behind the scenes. How you doing, buddy?
0: I'm good, man. I'm good. I apologize for my uh, uh, closet. I am in mean, it's actually Briscoe's studio here at the radio station. I'm stuck at the radio station, so that's why I'm doing it. So that's why I have these Bill Russell jerseys over my shoulder.
2: Very basketball-centric. Well, there was a big trade today. We won't get into that, but it's appropriate. Uh, yeah, I mean, we got a great show today. Uh, guests going to help us dive into all things New York Jets and get to know our opponent a little bit better. We'll also talk about the Chiefs' ascending defense. Very excited to do that. Defense is back in Kansas City. It's, uh, I know the 90s are in, so we're on trend. And then Sterling and I will play what we always do, Our favorite game, the Kansas City stock market. But before we get into all that fun stuff, a little bit of business.
0: Yeah, defense has been king in Kansas City, and you want to go to a different king. You guys want to go to DraftKings because DraftKings has upped their sign-up offer to kick off football season. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets, plus up to $150 back in bonus bets if your team loses. All you have to do is sign up with our code Arrowhead. Using our code Arrowhead not only gets you these great bonuses, but it also directly supports our podcast. If you've ever been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure you use the code Arrowhead to maximize your first bets. This offer is available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify.
2: Let's welcome in our guest here to bring us up to date on the Jets. It's Mike Luciano from the Jet Press podcast. Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How are you feeling about uh, the game and and Jets football in in general, I guess?
3: Well, how do you think I'm feeling? Uh, I compared the Jets on the podcast earlier today to the Washington Generals, to the Chiefs' Harlem Globetrotters, and I really think that's appropriate because I am really struggling to find a way where Zach Wilson and this offense can go shot for shot with Patrick Mahomes.
2: All right. Well, we have six questions for you, so let's crack open that six-pack. So the football gods seem determined to rob us of the mahomes Rodgers quarterback duel we all so badly want. We've never gotten it. So like you said, it is Zach Wilson Sunday night. What's the progress report there?
3: Well, there isn't any progress. That's the report. And, you know, it it sounds simple and rudimentary to describe them like that. But even though you guys were playing the Bears last week, and again, the Bears had no business being in that game. I don't really think there was ever a threat that Justin Fields and the Bears were really going to do anything in that game. There were at least things that you had to worry about. There was Justin Fields' legs because he was a really good runner and you had to keep him contained. And. The few times they let him chuck it deep, he's actually shown pretty good deep accuracy. Wilson's play this year has been so bad and so regressive, even when compared to the last couple years, that you have people clamoring for Trevor Simeon, who just got signed to the practice squad. They're not only clamoring for him, but they're trying to figure out when is the earliest available date Trevor Simeon can start because it's really not even a comparison between the two guys for all of the positive things that Zach Wilson has in his arsenal. I mean, the arm talent is there. The mobility is there. Like he can escape and make plays on the move. It's all let down by the fact that, you know, watching a lot of football and a lot of bad jets quarterbacks over the years, I've never seen anybody that really can't see the field like this guy. Like the defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, would probably say, let's try to limit Garrett Wilson. well, Garrett Wilson gets open and he's still only getting four or five catches a game because Zach Wilson
2: can't see him. So you've gone from seeing ghosts to not seeing the field at all.
3: He's not seeing the field at all. And Dan Orlovsky actually did a very good job of pointing this out is they neutered this kid so badly. And originally I got it because he was playing way too loose early in his career and throwing a bunch of picks against teams like new England and Denver. He got shut out in his third career starts. So they said, all right, We'll give you the Fisher-Price, Kitty, baby's first offense. We're not going to let you do anything. And it didn't work, but it was better than the old way. Now, the arm talent is great, but what good is the arm talent if they're not really letting him throw down the field? Everything is very safe, a lot of checkdowns, a lot of easy stuff. Like Dan Orlovsky had a good breakdown where there was a play It was 3rd and 11. Garrett Wilson is streaking open on a post outside. He takes his three-step drop the second his back foot hits. Check down Michael Carter. So he's not even looking that far down. Uh, it, it's tough too because the Jets, I think, have very good skill position players for a team where they are. Like uh, Dalvin Cook is not what he was. He's, he's gone. But Reese Hall, I think, is one of the better running backs in the league and has the potential to be a thousand yard guy every single year just based on pure talent. Obviously, I think the world of Garrett Wilson. I think Alan Lazard, the perfectly competent number two receiver. I think Tyler Conklin, Shoney, can be a pretty good tight end in this league. But it's just really hard to operate an offense with Zach Wilson because I believe in the Dallas and New England games, between both of them, on 44% of plays, they had six or seven or eight guys in the box. So even if Brees Hall is amazing, they know they're running the ball because Zach Wilson's not really threat to beat them through the air.
0: Yeah, Uh, it's not good when Joe Namath, the still face of the franchise, is out here roasting the current quarterback, Zach Wilson. And Joe Namath, who is pretty mild-mannered, you never hear him say anything like that, not a good look for Zach Wilson or the Jets. But let me give you one positive here. Quentin Williams is still outstanding. The Jets' pass rush as a whole has some pretty solid depth. How does that unit match up against the Chiefs' offensive line and the ability of Patrick Mahomes to escape the pocket?
3: Well, the defensive lines honestly kind of let me down a little this year because, I mean, they were supposed to be the strength of the team. And Robert Sala is a former linebackers coach. He's a Tampa 2 guy, a Seattle guy he was with before. Like, his whole strategy is we're not going to take chances. We're going to blitz four guys, and we're going to trust them to get home. Now, as a defensive lineman, that's great because it gives you a ton of freedom and responsibility, but it also then becomes very obvious when they're not showing up. Uh, Quinnon Williams has been Quinnen Williams. They've paid him like an elite defensive tackle, and he's playing like an elite defensive tackle. He's getting home, he's making run stops. He's the one guy you definitely got to worry about. Now, with guys like Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith in the middle, uh, they have a pretty good interior offensive line. One of the better ones in the league, actually. So it's a tall task for Quinnen, but. That's the one guy you got to focus on. Uh, With the rest of the pass rush, they actually dress 10 defensive linemen, and they rotate them a ton. Actually, Quinnen is usually the only guy who will play more than 60% of snaps. That's how much Robert Sala spins guys in and out. So because of that, it's really kind of a motley crew of guys. You've got Will McDonald, a first-round pick, who hasn't really gotten home. Jermaine Johnson will look good for half a game, and then the other half a game you won't really see him. Bryce Huff looks okay, but he's not really an every-down guy because he's kind of small. Michael Clemens, very, very strong, very, very scary guy. He was the guy in hard knocks who came in with no shirt and a bat with barbed wire on it with the deepest voice I've ever heard on any human being inside (laughs) and outside of football. But he's not really like an explosive pass rusher. So in theory, what Robert Sala was hoping is we're going to send 10 different guys with nine different skill sets at you and just overwhelm and confuse you. But what's happening right now is no one's really kind of getting in a rhythm. And Quinnen Williams is good enough where he can wreck a game almost by himself if he's really hot. But on the other hand, it it might be tough for the Jets to really get going against this Kansas City offensive line. I know Juwan Taylor's had his faults. All the penalties are still certainly there. But I feel like when he really gets in a groove, he's still an above-average tackle. And uh, it'll be tough getting home against Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba Let's move back to the other side of the ball. You mentioned Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson before. Man, can the Jets get them firing? You know, it kind of reminds me of that meme where there's like a shack and an Aston Martin in the driveway, you got to use these guys. I mean, few teams have a running back wide receiver combo that young, that good. Talk to me about those guys.
3: Oh, they're, they're amazing. But the problem is they're trying to get in the ball. They can't, they're trying to get Brees Hall going in the running game, but seven man boxes can't go anywhere. They're trying to get Garrett Wilson, the ball. And honestly, just naturally, he's not like a got to scheme him open guy. He gets open naturally. I think he's legitimately one of the best route runners in the entire uh, NFL. I actually predicted before the year, before everything with Aaron Rodgers happened, that he was going to lead the AFC in receiving yards. Because, I mean, he had 1,100 last year with the worst quarterback situation in the league. I'm thinking, all right, year two, Aaron Rodgers. And then obviously we know what happened. He'll get open sometimes. They just don't get him the ball. And part of that is Zach Wilson. A big part of that, the biggest part is Zach Wilson. But Nathaniel Hackett too deserves a lot of the blame for that because I literally can't figure out any hallmarks of his offense. Like you know, Mike McDaniel's motion and Kyle Shanahan's zone runs and Todd Munka with Baltimore as we're going deep and chucking bombs. Like it just seems like he's just picking plays randomly. Like oh, that didn't work. Let's try that one. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try that one. And of course that's Aaron Rodgers' guy, so they're not going to fire him because Aaron Rodgers doesn't want it. So it's kind of a tough situation because you can't get a pound of flesh. There's no catharsis. You just got to go and suck it up and watch Hackett attempt to coordinate an offense. Uh, Now part of it, too, though, is I'm sure you guys as Chiefs fans, before you got Mahomes and even Alex Smith, I mean, you guys were just running through quarterbacks. And the two hallmarks of we like our quarterback, but we don't want to say he's bad, I'm sure you know them, are the offensive line stinks and the play calling is bad. I'm sure every Chiefs fan at some point has tried to say, oh, Brody Croyle's actually good. It's just the offensive line and the play calling stink. Or Tyler Thigpen just needs a more creative coordinator. These things happen with young quarterbacks. So It's really just the combination of these two things, mashing of Hackett, not knowing how to adapt an offense, A, for a young quarterback, and B, for not Aaron Rodgers. Because I think the best offense he ever had without Aaron Rodgers outside of the Jacksonville fluke year was like 22nd in the league. He he stinks. He's just not even worth dignifying. But it's just tough again. Like, he's in a tough situation because he can't run the ball because the boxes are stacked, and he can't throw the ball because Zach Wilson's not throwing it accurately, and he's missing guys. So then it just compounds on one another, and maybe it'll wake him up. Like, they had some moments last year. I know it was Mike LaFleur and not Nathaniel Hackett, but sometimes you just get in a groove, and they figure out stuff that works, and Zach is at his best however high his his best is when he's kind of in a rhythm. The moment anything goes wrong, it could be so, so – he could complete a pass and get hit hard. He, he just gets way too psyched out. So the important thing for the Jets, if they got any shot of doing this, is start early, get him in a rhythm, and then just maintain that – like you can't keep playing from behind. You
2: can't keep doing it with this quarterback. We have also been stuck in quarterback purgatory. You mentioned that from about, what was it, 1983 to 2017, the Chiefs did not pick a first-round quarterback, did not even attempt to do it. We were just rentals and vagabonds and and no names the entire time. So we certainly feel for you. And we know all about the Nathaniel Hackett experience. We got a front-row front seat last year with him in Denver. It seems like two teams have now wrecked their offense trying to get Aaron Rodgers with him as a coach uh, just really feel for you. But you, you mentioned an offense without an identity and I think that's a major problem. Is there any semblance of that turning around?
3: Well, ideally Nathaniel Hackett too, is kind of a running back. He was the running back coach. He was uh, with Jacksonville before he had Leonard Fournette having his best year in Jacksonville. And I think he did legitimately some good things with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon in, in green Bay. So at his core, if you take Rodgers out, he kind of wants to be like a ground-and-pound guy. That's what his dad, Paul Hackett, who was an offensive coordinator under Herm Edwards, the Jets fans hated and demanded to be fired. So I find that funny that they hired the failing son also. But uh, he wants to be kind of a ground-and-pound guy and then play off that with you know an, an efficient quarterback that doesn't make mistakes. And for Robert Sala, defensive-minded head coach, who in his press conference, I don't know if you saw it, said uh, Zach Wilson didn't play that bad and everybody else has to play better. And he played okay because he didn't turn the ball over, which is, you know, it's it's coping. He's just trying to cope. But the one kernel of truth was when he said he didn't turn the ball over. That's a defensive-minded coach saying, let's just running, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, don't throw interceptions. It's Marty Schottenheimer, it's Marty Ball, but – Marty Ball at least had better quarterbacks than Zach Wilson, so it could kind of work at times.
0: Uh, they also had a better offensive line than what the Jets currently have. They've been trying to fix the O-line for years now. You know, Elijah Tucker, Makai Becton, but there's also been a plethora of injuries along the front. How has the O-line looked so far?
3: The O-line is what honestly might make me have a stroke arguing with Jets fans because, (laughs) as I've said earlier, you know, the offensive line, the play calling, fans are really leaning heavily on the offensive line. Like, how can you succeed behind this offensive line? And admittedly, it's not amazing. But if you were to ask me out of 32, where would it rank in the league? I don't know, maybe like 18, 19-ish. Like, still not great, but not – Completely catastrophic. You can't do anything with it. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, I think, is one of the most underrated players in the league in any position. He's moved to tackle. He's moved to guard. He actually played left tackle in college. Like, everywhere you stick the guy, he's incredibly impressive. Uh, Joe Tippman only played his first game yesterday, but I think he was PFF's fourth-highest-graded lineman in pass protection. So he looks good. Becton, is a, he's the big problem, I think. Becton, Lake, and Tomlinson right now, the current left side, just because – in physically, I mean, you know, big, strong guy, moves well for his size, but you just don't know if things are going to hold up physically. So every player, like, is this going to be it? And then Lakin Tomlinson, legitimately, I don't think we signed Lakin Tomlinson. I think this is a dude who worked at UPS, and he's pretending to be Lakin Tomlinson because the Lake and Tomlinson we signed was a Pro Bowl guard for the Niners. The guy we got is getting pushed around way too much. So, yeah, the offensive line's not great, but – It's workable, and again, not to keep beating a drum, but a lot of it goes back to Zach because uh, this is a lot of the same unit from last year. And I remember looking at the numbers in terms of pass block win rate with Zach in and with all the other guys, Flacco, Mike White in, it was basically the same. It was like 63%. With uh, Mike White and Joe Flacco, who are the least mobile quarterbacks in the league, my grandmother's faster than Mike White and Joe Flacco, (laughs) they were, I think, 15th in sack rate. And with Zach Wilson, they were 31st. Well, one worse was Justin Fields. And I think last week, too, he had the most time to throw in the league. And he still was under pressure like 60% of the time because, again, he's unsure of himself. How many of his sacks are just patting the ball? Doesn't really know where to go. He starts skidding around and running around. It's It can be a tough watch. But if they just drill it into Wilson's head, Just get the ball out quick. There's going to be a guy open here. Throw the ball to him. There's a chance. And it's a small chance, but there's a chance.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. Just the splits, if you look at Flacco and White, how much better Garrett Wilson played with those two guys than Zach Wilson, it's just like this guy has no hope. Zach broke me his rookie year. I think people forget his first
3: game they were playing where he got hurt and then Mike White came in. They were playing the Bengals. He threw for 400 yards and beat them. And then Josh Johnson threw for 300 yards. And that, honestly, the scales fell from my eyes. Because it was like, wow, you put any other quarterback in here and immediately they look not only okay, they look great. So he's been kind of swimming upstream for his entire Jets career. Do you
2: think – that the Jets select Zach Wilson in a universe where Patrick Mahomes doesn't exist. I mean, Mahomes, Mahomes is kind of like Steph
3: Curry a little bit in that he is changing the game because he did place more of an emphasis on quarterbacks who can make plays out of structure and guys who can make these highlight reel throws. But again, Zach Wilson at BYU, this was not like the Jets being stupid. This was a legitimate prospect who had a great arm and he threw for 9,000 yards his last year at BYU. And he, everybody to a man, said he was going to be a top 10 or top five pick. This is not the Jets reaching for a guy. So
2: I, I was not in on him. I thought that he played behind an incredible line at BYU in a fluky COVID season and kind of had almost like I've heard it said before like a Truman show setup there in, in BYU. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the arm talent is incredible. I mean, he made that one throw during his workout, and everybody just about fainted, and he soared up draft boards. So you, you're right. I think the entire draft industry was pretty in on him. So my my who,
3: conspiracy with Zach Wilson, I still believe this. He's, he's, he's a spoiled rich kid. His uncle is, I believe, the CEO of JetBlue uh, Airlines. And what is the Jets' official airline? So JetBlue Airlines. <laughs>
2: I don't know. (laughs) I'm no detective. (laughs) Maybe there's something there. So who are a few X factors from the Jets roster that opposing fans might be sleeping on? Give us a few names, maybe one on defense, one on offense. See, both of mine are actually going to be on defense because for all the crap that the Jets have gotten on offense,
3: the defense, even though they might not be like a top five unit from last year, I think they're still excellent. I think they're a top 10 unit. Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, obviously, in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, you could argue they're the best cornerback tandem in football. I know Sauce had a rough week one, but week two and week three, he's been Sauce Gardner. He held CeeDee Lamb to two catches for like 15 yards when he was on CeeDee Lamb and barely was targeted against New England. Uh, one of the X-Factors, though, is Michael Carter II because the Jets have two Michael Carters, one on offense, one on defense. Uh, Michael Carter II is the nickel corner. And he's also graded out as a top 20 cornerback by PFF, which is also a DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner are. So a lot of guys just say, oh, well, we're not going to throw a Sauce. We're not going to throw a DJ Reed. Let's test this five foot nine skinny kid, fifth-round pick out of Duke. And he's been balling real, the last couple of years. So this is not going to be a situation, I think, where they just throw Kelsey in the slot and let him beat up on the slot guy because for a guy his size, he really handles tight ends well. He's very quick. He's a good hitter. Lots to like about Michael Carter. And uh, also they're Quincy Williams, the linebacker, who yeah. he struggled last year because the teams were beating the Jets through the air a little bit, and they weren't doing it at Sauce, and they weren't doing it at Michael Carter, and they weren't doing it at Reed. So wherever they doing it, linebackers and safeties up the middle. And Williams got picked on a little bit. So they re-signed him to a three-year contract, and I'm like, oh, I don't know because his brother is Quentin Williams. So I'm like, oh, they just paying the brother for him, and he's been amazing this year. That Bill's game was the best game he's played in his entire career. Very fast, very athletic, hard hitter. C.J. Mosley's good, but he gets a little bit of a reputation bump. I think Williams actually has played a lot better than Mosley this year, so this is not also going to be, all right, let Andy Reid find the linebacker and throw at him a lot. He's yeah. been very good in coverage.
0: Yeah, I did think it was fun watching them dominate defensively against the Bills. The two brothers getting after it. But as far as DJ Reed goes, you know, K State alum, right? So there is obviously the connection here with the Kansas City Chiefs. I was a huge trying to get DJ Reed to come to Kansas City. I, that's a guy who I thought would have fit very well when Shavarius Ward was leaving, when Tyron Matthew was leaving. I said, let's get some versatility. Bring in DJ Reed. Uh, the one thing I will say is DJ Reed thrives in zone coverage with the Chiefs. A lot of times playing. And, man, I don't know how that matchup would look to to a certain extent. But, yeah, you guys have a great secondary up there with the Jets. That defense absolutely is electric. Sauce Gardner might be the best cornerback in football. I will say Trent McDuffie here in Kansas City that was trying to come for that throne. Just defensively as a whole, as a whole, are they the best defense in the NFL? Are they top three, top five? Where would you personally slot them in?
3: I'd say probably on the edges of the top five, maybe like I don't know, seven ish, six or seven, because last year the numbers were inflated a little bit because they just threw bad luck right into a lot of backup quarterbacks. Like they didn't get Tua, they got Teddy Bridgewater, and then he got hurt, so then Skylar Thompson came in, and they got they didn't even get Justin Fields, they got. Trevor Simeon, who they hopes to save you now, like
0: they didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> they should know. They should know that Trevor Simeon isn't the answer. The Jets should know better than anyone.
3: Here's a question I want to know: Why didn't they sign Trevor Simeon the day Aaron Rodgers went down? Because if they did that and he played and not Zach Wilson, they're two and one. And we're thinking, ah, I don't know. Like, do we got a shot? So- I'm just
2: thinking that that would have destroyed whatever confidence Zach Wilson had. And well, since he they... doesn't
3: have any anyway. So right. you
2: know, what's the right. point? <laughs> no one has had this
0: much faith in Trevor Simeon uh, besides the Denver Broncos after Peyton Manning, which we all know is just a great organization, right? They always get it right with quarterbacks. So at least you guys have that going for you guys. I, I mean,
3: it, it's tough to watch because again, I, I looked at Trevor Simeon's New Orleans film from two years ago when he had four starts. I'm like, all right, I could see some stuff. He almost looked like Mike White. Like, you know, big, slow release. He's averaging pretty much everything. But guy's open, he hits them. Like, that's literally the level we're at. Like, if a guy's <laughs> open, will you throw him the ball? That's the level we're trying to get to. And that's why Jets fans are so even more pissed this year than they, they normally are, just because they see the talent on this team. This wasn't the Adam Gase years where things were just so decrepit and they were actually hoping to lose games so that they could get Trevor Lawrence, and then they screwed that up and didn't even get Trevor Lawrence, and now here we are with Zach Wilson. But they can see that this offense has players, Wilson and Hall. They could see Vera Tucker's really good. The defense, I feel so bad for that defense because, number one, it was funny, too, because Zach Wilson was asked what went wrong in the Patriots game, and he said, I don't know, in the post-game press conference, which is not encouraging. But then they talked to Sauce Gardner, and, of course, they're all not, they're all saying the right things, you know. Oh, we got to be better as a team. It's not Zach's fault. Sauce had an actual quote where he said, you know, we didn't do our job. We could have let up zero points. And that broke my heart because I'm like, that's where they're at, man. This team is good. This defense is phenomenal. And Robert Sala, I think, is a very good coach. I mean, Aaron Rodgers went down four plays into the year. He got those guys rallied and he won that game. That was a heck of a job of coaching. So 1-53, to I think the roster is very good. They just have one sore spot that's kind of messing everything up. And now the nation has to go see it in front of Patrick Mahomes and probably Taylor Swift. It's going to be, <laughs> it's not going to be ideal. If this is not the get right game for Zach Wilson.
2: So what is your actual prediction for the game Sunday? Give us your final score and the jet star of the game. Chiefs 31 jets
3: 10 and because the Jets have scored 10 points the last two games with Zach Wilson, so I don't see why that's changing now. That's the ceiling, apparently. That's the, that's all he can do. He's trying, that's all he can do. But that's the problem, too, is it's not like he's not trying hard. This is literally the best he can do, and just professionally, he's not good enough, and he keeps failing, and they keep putting him out there again. Like, outside of football, they're going to ruin this kid mentally. They keep doing this. Mm. But in terms of star of the game, I'm going to have to probably say Quincy Williams, because they're going to go into this game – Soul mind of how do we slow down Travis Kelsey? Now every team does, and very few plans end up working, as I'm sure you guys know. But Salah is, I think, creative enough, and they have the horses in that secondary to actually give him some trouble a little bit. The problem, though, and I think they'll actually get some stops early on against Patrick Mahomes, who I think's been a little like he's still Patrick Mahomes, but there have been a couple throws this year where I'm like, uh, Pat, you know, what are you doing? That Jacksonville one where he just chucked it 50 yards. I'm like. That's not what Pat Mahomes normally does. So maybe they get one interception or something like that. They get a big defensive play. I could see something like that happening. But because Zach can't sustain drives, the defense is going to be on the field forever. And eventually, like in the Dallas game, they're just going to get worn down physically. And that's when Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are really just going to let all the creative juices flow and figure out ways to get Kelsey in the end zone in front of America's sweetheart and his new girlfriend, which – that might be discussed more, I think, during the game than like the Jets' offense.
2: If That's what did. happened last week. We we saw Andy Reid passes Tom Landry for on the all-time wins list, and they're talking about Taylor Swift more than Andy Reid because of how bad of, of a blowout it was. It was insane. I
3: I'm I mean, what else she gonna do? I mean, because th- this is the thing we were talking about this in the Jet press. We did like a live reaction after the Patriots game. We both had, me and Justin Fried, my co-host, we had our heads in our hands. We're like, what else do you want us to say except he sucks? And like every issue just, again, I feel bad almost doing it for a little bit because I don't like just rephrasing and saying that, you know, he stinks in however many ways. But it's just so tough to watch a roster this good that I think is coached very well by Robert Sala, even though he could be a little, you know, not great in the press conference. I think he backs his guys up a little too much. It's just tough to watch a very good roster that's coached very
2: well. Just lie down and die like this because Zach Wilson's out there. Well, Mike, we wish you luck. Thanks for being on the show. You can follow him at by Mike Luciano on Twitter. Uh, Best of luck Sunday. I will need every single bit of it, man. So thank you for that. (laughs) No problem. Blast from the past there. He mentioned Paul Hackett. He -hmm. was the chief's offensive coordinator, I believe 1993 to 1997. So maybe a little, a little nepotism that hits pretty close to home there for the Chiefs fans. He also said that uh, they have the best corners in the league, maybe. Yeah. And in our next segment, hot take kingdom, we're going to talk about that at some point. You uh, ready for a little hot take kingdom? Let's do a baby. All right. So this one, I, I'm really stretching. I, I feel like they've been coming true. You know, last week was McDuffie, and, and now he's the uh, PFF's number one rated corner. So I, I've got I've to be a little bit more hot takey, go out on a limb a little bit more. So this week's hot take kingdom is the Chiefs defense is clicking in a special way and will be a top five unit this year. Welcome to the kingdom. Remember, it's not mild kingdom or lukewarm kingdom. It is hot take kingdom. So here's where the 2023 Kansas City Chiefs defense ranks so far. Fourth in success rate, fourth in scoring defense, fifth in EPA per play, and ninth in DVOA. And one of those three games was without Chris Jones, which I think even though the defense has played better since, might've even been more impressive given that they weren't, they were without their best player. And then adds Charles and who I think is a stud and will be uh, just a huge ingredient for Steve Spagnolo to, to completely game wreck offensive lines. He still has to meet three more. He still has to miss three more games. We're going to get him back pretty much mid season. So this defense is going to get better. And I think really what's happening here. It's one of the youngest defenses in the league, and these young guns are blossoming before our our eyes, right? Edge George Karloftis, top 10 in pressures. Like I said before, Trip McDuffie is PFF's top-rated corner. Linebacker Leo Chanel, he's coming along nicely. We're seeing him pop a little bit. They're getting smarter, communicating better, reacting faster. And this is the first time safety Justin Reed has ever played in the same uh, system two years in a row. And I think as the leader of the secondary, he has everybody on the same page. That secondary is humming. Everyone is where they need to be at all times. I also think Drew Tranquil has given the team a great return on investment. Very sharp player. Incredible budget signing there. I can't believe that uh, bargain basement shopping from Brett Veach. Really impressive. Mike Dana continues to prove the draft community dead wrong, right? He, He just gets better. We think... Oh, he's playing over his head, and every single year he gets better. So team, def- team defense is not as sticky year-to-year as offense. But I think that creates some opportunity when the planets align for a defense that hasn't been as good to kind of play out of its mind for a stretch run. And that's what I believe is happening here. The Chiefs' young defense loves playing together. A few of them said it this week that they they all hang out. They love each other. Uh, they just are a real tight knit group. And then we saw the Rams build a great defense by leaning on two players. What positions did those two players play? They had a superstar defensive tackle and a superstar corner. That's kind of looks kind of like our defense here. You know, when Aaron Donald is around, all the other pass rushers look better. When Jalen Ramsey was around, all the other corners and, and, and safeties look better. I'm not saying Trip McDuffie. Is Jalen Ramsey yet, but he is, he's proving that he's in the upper echelon of corners, like we said. So I'm calling my shot top five defense, which gives Mahomes a Tom Brady like path to a Super Bowl for once. Usually we're just praying that by the time the playoffs come around, they are a top 12 unit, top 12 ish. That's usually all he needs. Man, you give him top five, that could be terrifying for the rest of the league. So, Sterling, you've heard my case. Are you coming in the castle or are you going to stay outside the gates?
0: Let me in. Let, let yes. me in. Yes. Like, seriously, yes, top five. Like, this defense it. is electric. Steve Spagnuolo has his dream right here, the versatility, the speed, the athleticism. Uh, he doesn't have to deal with a whole bunch of rookies. The only real rookie he's had to deal a ton with maybe is, what, FAU? At this point this year, and even that's not a, a very large amount of snaps.
2: Jamari Connor. Shamari Connor, bit.
0: maybe, but a, a lot of the rookies are now sophomores. They're, they've grown. You've seen the emergence of George Karloftis. You've seen Mike Dana continuously get better and better and better. Derek Nottie is back to being a, a good version of Derek Nottie. The linebackers go four, even five deep if you want to count Jack Conkern into the mix. Uh, we've talked about the secondary ad nauseum, so we already know my thoughts there that it's incredible. It's very, very talented, very, very deep. Uh, again, you mentioned Charles and And by the way, you mentioned Tom Brady. And I've said for a long time, I wish the Chiefs would focus more on the defense instead of giving Patrick Mahomes more weapons. And here's the reason why you can help Mahomes by giving him more weapons, but he can make wide receivers better. You know what Mahomes can't make better? The defense. Tom Brady wasn't always going out there leading the league in points every single year. He had a lot of help with his defense. So helping Mahomes can be done by helping make the defense better. It allows him to not have to score 35-plus points every single game. They can win some games by scoring, I don't know, 20 points, 21 points, 22 points. I'm not saying that's going to be the norm, but I'm saying that makes it a legitimate possibility. I am a huge fan of this defense. I love I love what Spags is doing. I hope Spags uh, stays in Kansas City, although for him, I'd be happy if he did get another opportunity as a head coach because what he is doing is spectacular.
2: Yeah, he keeps winning rings as a defensive coordinator. The Hall of Fame might not be out of question, but you mentioned Mahomes and receivers and how he can make them kind of, you know, if you have a C receiver, he turns them into a B receiver. And if you want the proof of that, go look at Juju Smith Schuster stats. (laughs) Go look at McCall Hardman stats right now. I think McCall Hardman has one catch for six yards and then look at Justin Watson. Right. But getting back to what our guest said about the jets having possibly the best corners in the league right now, man, I think Legere Sneed and Trent McDuffie are playing as well as any duo in the league. I'm not saying they're the best, uh, but they are certainly up there. What a pairing. I mean, hopefully it will last longer than a year, but we have to enjoy that while we have it here.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I'm just so enthusiastic about this Chiefs defense. I don't think it's a fluke. I know they've not played the best competition. I understand that. But again, the Detroit Lions were top five DVOA yards, points per game the previous season. A lot of those pieces are back. They added Jameer Gibbs. I mean, that's a good offense. The Chiefs did their job. Great Um, offensive
2: line. Right. Great,
0: incredible offensive line, top five in the NFL. Jaguars obviously off to a slower start than they would have liked. You know, Obviously, they're one and two. But again, that is a pretty darn good offense. Calvin really has been a problem already this year to add with Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. The Chiefs did a great job against them. Yeah, the Bears suck. J- uh, Justin Fields is two scoops of ass. I get all that stuff. But you know who's not? DJ Moore. And DJ Moore was having trouble getting open time and time again. It didn't matter if it was McDuffie, Legarius, Watson, or Williams. They were in his hip pocket. That is something you can take away that is not um, dependent on the quarterback or the rest of the team. So that, for me, is a good sign. I am fully believing this Chiefs defense is legitimately good.
2: Yeah, I'm looking for ways to pick it apart, but now I'm thinking about the week before. Travis Etienne looked really good in week one and week two and kind of, dis- I mean in week three and then kind of disappeared in week two. And I think the chiefs are just getting good at taking away what you want to do. And they really have no weakness. Every level is good. And I think the, the pieces they've added really are instrumental in that being the case, because Steve Spagnolo kind of has the right tool for every situation. You see him just kind of relentlessly subbing guys in and out, I I love it. You know, you see, you see Edwards make a big play last week and there are just so many guys that are contributing. Uh, It's just all coming together in a very special, magical way. I think it's sustainable. I mean, even if they, let's, let's like dial down expectations a little bit and say they're top 10 for an entire year. What does that do for Patrick Mahomes where he doesn't have to, uh, you know, put the whole world on his shoulders for once.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're holding the Miami Dolphins to 10 points, but they're definitely not giving up a 70 burger Ooh. like Sean Payton and those Broncos.
2: Yeah. Down 50. Russell Wilson is still in the game. They're Owen three with Sean Payton. Uh, I kind of think side tangent here. Do you think Mike McDaniel heard what he said about Nathaniel Hackett and kind of said, you know, we don't do that in the fraternity of coaches. We don't go that hard at each other. I'm going to teach this dude a lesson. We need, we need, we need to knock that uh, Sean Payton arrogance down a peg.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, Sean Payton and the Broncos got beat by the former Denver Broncos ball boy. It's incredible. I absolutely love this. Dude, Sean Payton talked all that smack heading into the season and got his ass kicked. I'm all for it, man. I always said, always said, Sean Payton is closer to Mike McCarthy than Bill Belichick. And now I'm starting to think this is a slight to Mike McCarthy.
2: Ouch. Drew Breeze, that guy could play. Who knew, right? Who knew? Well, I'm thrilled that you're coming into the kingdom. Now that, that we have that out of the way, let's move on to our next game, the Kansas City stock market.
1: Greed, for lack of a better word, is good.
0: It's a wazzy, it's a woozy, it's
2: a fairy dust. Tell me the difference between stupid and illegal and I'll have my wife's brother arrested. (laughs) So, wide receiver Justin Watson has an average depth of target of 23.6%. Considerably higher than other sort of one-dimensional field stretchers. I don't really mean that as a slight, but good players like Rashid, uh, uh, Rashid Shahid, tongue twister there, Gabe Davis, Alec Pierce, Van Jefferson's another one. He's like 5% higher than those guys, 6%. His recent strong play is unsustainable. Pump or dump?
0: It's unsustainable. I will dump. I think it is sustainable. I'm not saying it'll be that high of a percentage, but I'm saying – Three catches a week for 50 yards? Yes, sign me the hell up. He's on pace to have, what, 800 yards this year? I don't know if he gets 800, but this is not an outlier. This is not a guy who has a 125-yard game skewing this. Every single game, he gets open deep down the field two or three times. He is the field stretcher on this team, him and MVS. Justin Watson is showing everyone why we maybe should have been a little easier on the guy well yeah he probably doesn't have the highest potential of anyone in this room he's a consistent guy he knows all three wide receiver spots and Mahomes trust him and guess what he wins down the field I do think what he is doing is sustainable
2: okay maybe this is me sticking to my priors a little bit but I'm a light dump I just think he he's filled in admirably And he's a dependable guy to have around, but I think he's definitely a placeholder and you've got some of the young guys coming along that throw that basically that was a miracle throw from Patrick Mahomes last week. So is that going to happen every week? We also saw some stretches last year where he kind of disappeared, where he had some problems with drops. I just don't want to get too far out of my skis on a guy that, uh, you know, hasn't played this well before. But I will say, going back to Juju Smith-Schuster and McCall Hardman, I mean, you know, what if Justin Watson was was playing for the Jets? You know what I mean? Like, he probably wouldn't be doing much. This is just the Mahomes effect, so perhaps he can keep it up. I'm not ruling it out. I'm just not betting on it.
0: All right, number two. The Chiefs offensive line is 26th in run blocking according to composite run block rating put together by data scientist Ben Baldwin, a.k.a. Computer Cowboy on Twitter. Uh, run blocking will be an issue all year. Pump or dump?
2: Yeah, it, it's a little pump. Not an aggressive pump, but but a little pump. Uh, it, it's just not looking good. And the reason I think it's a pump is Creed and the interior line, Joe Tooney who's just a cyborg, they're going to they're gonna keep improving. They're going to get it going. They haven't been too bad. But our tackles cannot run block. I mean, Donovan Smith run blocks like you found a very large human and just dropped him onto the football field for the first time. He is just uh, kind of helpless out there in the run game. The good news is I'm not sure it matters that much because you have Andy Reid scheming stuff up. You have that great interior line. You have... The Chiefs are great in 12 personnel. I haven't seen them doing as much 13 this year without, uh, you know, Jody Fortson playing, but they're great in those, in those bigger jumbo formations. And then the last thing is just Mahomes presence alone dictates light boxes. So I think knowing all those things was why Brett Beach felt comfortable bringing in two tackles who don't block in the run game very well. And it's going to be all right, but I do think it's going to be a little bit of an issue.
0: Yeah, you know what? Just full-on agree with you, man. Exact same reason. The interior is really good. The tackles are not. But at the end of the day, it does not really matter when you don't run the football very often. And um, and two, when you're going up against light boxes, as you mentioned, that should make it easier as well. Yeah, they'll probably end up right around 20th in run blocking for the offensive line as a whole. But does that really matter? No, it does not.
2: So... Number three here, Rasheed Rice ranks 11th in yards per out run, right behind Jalen Waddell. He's also 11th in PFF grade, right behind the sun god Amon Ross St. Brown. So we're saying he'll leapfrog Sky Moore soon and eventually be wide receiver one on the Chiefs, pump or dump?
1: Mm.
0: Half-hearted pump. Okay. Half-hearted pump. I think the upside is greater than Sky Moore. Not a knock against Sky Moore. I just think Rasheed Rice can do a little more overall. He's a uh, ball winner, as we've seen already. I think he's already done better finding soft spots in the zone, a little more physical than Sky Moore. I think Sky Moore is going to be a PPR maven You know, as he continuously progresses into the NFL. I think he's going to be a guy that you're like, oh, dang. Uh, you know, he, he had eight catches for 73 yards. That seems more along the Sky Moore route. Right? Well, I could see Rasheed Rice being, oh, wow, that's eight catches for 140. I'm not saying every single game, but that's how I envision both of these two dudes playing out. If you want to make a Steelers comparison, because everyone always compares Sky Moore to George Pickens. Well, I think Rasheed Rice, to an extent, is the George Pickens. And I think Sky Moore, again, as people have heard me say before, could be that Deontay Johnson. That's the way I'm looking at this from my perspective. I wonder if you have a different one here. Um, I don't think Rasheed Rice is going to end up being Jalen Waddle or uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, but I don't think he has to be.
2: No, and what I'm kind of envisioning now, just because his his targets per route run are pretty outstanding. I mean, this is a guy who comes into an offense that's very complex with a head coach that does not like playing rookie receivers. And he's not only earning snaps, he is earning targets. He has, he has earned the trust of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes looks for him. And they're also, see, I was a little confused this offseason because it sounded like the Chiefs wanted to put Sky Moore in the slot. But I thought Rasheed Rice, given what he did in college, profiled really, really well there. And they're using him in the slot, I believe, just under 70% of the time when he's in the game. And I'm envisioning kind of a poor man, CeeDee Lamb. And if that's his ceiling, that's fine. In this offense, that's – I mean, Patrick Mahomes can make that work. Sky Moore, he, he's kind of doing a, a, a kind of B-rate Julian Edelman impression out there. Once in a while, you'll see moments like he broke someone's ankles. I forget the player on the Bears who it was, but you just see these moments. He's got like that exquisite release package, and you just kind of wonder why he can't put it together – but I'm curious if you still have Travis Kelsey and then you have someone who kind of steps up as the number one target, if he's kind of a better third fiddle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I will say Rasheed Rice, just as a whole, has very much impressed me, especially, as you mentioned, in an Andy Reid-led system as a rookie. Uh, All right, Isaiah Pacheco is easily the Chiefs' best running back. He leads McKinnon in yards after contact, and CEH in uh, rushing yards over expected. But he's the worst pass protector, and that will continue to limit his snaps to some degree. Pumper dump.
2: That was supposed to be yards after the catch, but I'm pretty sure he leads McKinnon in yards after contact, too. I think that's, a, <laughs> I think that's probably a safe assumption. Um, yeah. You wrote the question, okay? I, I know, I know, I know. I, and I'm, and when I say Yak
0: a, as a – normally I'm with you. When they see Yak, it's yards after catch. But I'm like, it's a running back. That's got to be yards a, after contact, that's on,
2: right? That's on me, man. That's on me. Um <laughs> i small pump. I, I, I think – Pass protecting is something that can be improved. It's not one of these innate skills that you just either have or you do not. But he just hasn't fully acclimated yet. Kind of just going back and watching the games and and, and just sort of thinking it over. I just don't think he's there yet. And, I, and that's probably one of the big reasons we're seeing Jarek McKinnon so early in the season. We're seeing more Clyde Edwards-Alaire than we expected. So – God, I would love for him to to kind of get this figured out and become a really good pass protector. Cause I think physically he's got the ability, but it, it may just not be in his wheelhouse. Uh, and, and besides, this is, you know, we're in an NFL now where, where Derrick Henry is like splitting half the snaps. The, the bell cows are extinct. So we don't really need him to even be one.
0: Yeah. Uh, I will dump the isaiah pacheco is easily the best chiefs running back and i will pump that he is the worst pass, pass protector and that's going to limit his uh snaps to some degree so i don't know how you want me to answer this question but because he's not the best pass protector and because he's not the best pass catcher i'm actually giving a nod to Jarek mckinnon i i think Jared mckinnon is the best running back on this roster Whether you want to say because he can't play a lot of snaps or because the Chiefs don't play him a lot of snaps, that is the reason why he's not. I'll entertain it. But if you're saying the best, if you're saying it's the fourth quarter of a close game, which running back do you want on the field? I am going Jarek McKinnon. And that, for me, is the same reason why I'm saying he's the best.
2: Yeah, I think it depends on the situation. If we are nursing a lead and trying to put a team away, it's Pacheco. If we're in a tight game and we need someone catching passes out there, it's McKinnon. Man, I, I'm noticing a trend there. You look at Raheem Mostert, you look at Jarek McKinnon, uh, Latavius Murray is still out there. I think some of these guys are figuring out how to take care of themselves and, and keep their bodies right. And when you're a running back in your 30s and you're still playing, you know the game so well that yes. I just think there's there's value And just knowing these systems have your vision improves. Look at him in the red zone.
0: Look at him when he, when he's catching the football. That's why the chiefs always employ him in the red zone when they need a receiving touchdown. He is so good at finding the soft spots. If it's man, he knows how to manipulate the guy. He, he, he always says he has that quarterback vision, like with Mahomes, right? He knows where to be. He knows where Mahomes can hit him and where to find him. That, to me, is so impressive. Pacheco does not have that, at least not yet. That, again, for me, is why I like Jarek McKinnon, the best of any running back on this roster. But it doesn't matter. It's going to be a split carry situation. It's going to be, as you mentioned, no bell cow. And that's completely fine. I always laugh to an extent. Like, McCaffrey, great. That's that's the outlier here. But let's just say, for example, Najee Harris before Jalen Warren. Warren, who, by the way, Jalen Warren looks so much better. I never understood Najee Harris. That guy might be the most ineffective ineffective running back in the entire NFL.
2: He makes it's Clyde, the Alabama ha- helmet, man. That's what it is.
0: Dog, he makes Clyde Edwards-Alaire look extremely effective. It's wild to me. But he, Najee Harris was the bell cow for a couple of years, and you're like, okay, that's great. But you still have to carry running backs behind him, so you're not getting those free roster spots. You might as well use three guys to make up and complete a one Frankenstein's monster running back instead of having one guy who doesn't excel at everything and who's just fine taking up all the spots because he's not helping you. You don't get those free roster spots. I never understood that.
2: Yeah, as you know, I am a fantasy football degenerate, and one of my favorite players I have not rostered in a bunch of places is Tony Pollard. I actually think he's been a little less explosive this year because his his you know his volume's gone up, yeah. and it's really hard to maintain. Uh, that efficiency. I mean, that's that's the story of Jamal Charles. You, you give him, uh, he just never lost his efficiency. It's, it's unreal what he was able to do. Got another question before we get you out of here. Man, it just, I had it. We started talking about running backs. Oh, I got it again. Whew. Germany, the game in Germany between the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Yeah. That is looking like the game of the year now, right? Just a heavyweight slugfest. By the way, I predicted on the show the Dolphins would win the AFC East. So we'll see how how good that looks next week against Buffalo. But do you think the NFL made a mistake by not having that game here in the States on prime time? And I think it's 8.30 in the morning our time.
0: Mm. Ish lieber beer, dry beer, bitter vo uh, ist ein Badzimmer? Yeah, I think they messed up. But they couldn't do much else. Is it that or is going to be Detroit? Because the Chiefs said that they were not going to get Chicago. Um, so if you want to say the Chiefs could have potentially messed up and they could have allowed uh, the NFL to use the Chicago game, that's fine. But the Hunts and the Chiefs, they wanted. To have the Chicago game played here in Kansas City because they've not played in Kansas City a uh, for a long period of time, and because they knew the money would be good from ticket prices, that was the reason there. Well, they may have missed the boat because Miami would have brought in a large amount of money too. You know, I understand the thought process going into this season. Same time, the Chiefs could have made this a little easier on the NFL, and the NFL said, you know what, Detroit hasn't played a home opener in a long time. They got a uh, an opener to the NFL in a long time. They finally have some buzz. Let's give their fans something to enjoy. So I understand the NFL, you can make the case they missed the boat on this. Same time, they were put in a pretty difficult situation because when you were going through the entire potential opportunity, there's only three potential opportunities. That was Bears, Lions, and Dolphins. One had to go overseas.
2: Yeah, and if you sent that Bears game over to Germany, their government might have banned football. I and mean, that's how bad the Bears were. It just was... Uh, Just the least climactic game I've ever seen. Conspiracy theory hat time. Let's put on our tinfoil hat here. Do you think maybe the Chiefs didn't want Tyreek Hill coming back home? Mm.
0: I don't know, man. I don't know how much there was into that or not. (sighs) If my tinfoil hat's on, I will will say anything you want me to say, but uh, I, I, I don't truthfully believe that, no. I don't.
2: It's a fun question. I don't think that was ultimately what was behind it. Uh, I think they kind of galaxy brained the business decision thinking, oh, Chicago's close. It's a huge metropolitan market. What they didn't think about is that the Bears suck ass. They're, they might be the worst team in the league and their fan base three games in. I mean, we talked to Carm last week and he was basically rooting for them to go 0 and 17 this season. I mean, that, yeah. that is, they are firmly entrenched in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Meanwhile, this, this Dolphins offense looks like something we've never seen before. It looks like the fastest offense the NFL has ever seen. It's they, they like every efficiency mark, um, metric you can imagine. They're blowing the rest of the league out of the water. So I think, I know the NFL loves to cook up these new challengers to the chief's throne. This would have been their next chance after kind of the bills and the Bengals lost a little bit of steam and sizzle. I I just, I'm kind of bummed. I think Tyreek coming back to Kansas city would have just been the game of the year, but Germany's getting a great one, right?
0: Dude, do you have any idea how many German beers I am going to consume at eight in the morning? Okay, I'm about to be a pirate. Okay, you can't drink all day unless you start in the morning, drink responsibly, everyone. It's going to be a great time. I, I get it. It's not fun. Uh, but it's also kind of fun, right? It is kind of fun to have a really cool game, competitive game, awesome game played in Germany, where, by the way, as we've heard from a lot of German people, they're big Chiefs fans. Right. Like, this is a miniature home game, half home game, if you will. Like, it's when Mizzou played in St. Louis. Like, yeah, you're not playing at your home stadium. I get that you got to travel. But it's going to be mostly Chiefs fans in Germany. Right? It's going to be
2: pretty darn cool. Are we so entrenched over there that if the Dolphins beat us, and I don't think they will, but hey, this is this is going to be a close game, I think, that we will lose some fans. I don't know, but Nine. You're, de- you're definitely right. You wake up eight thirty, Chiefs, Dolphins, one of the games of the year. Then you get the Red Zone Channel. Then you get the afternoon. I, what I like to do with the afternoon games is put that quad box on, watch to watch four games at once. And then you get the Sunday box. night football. That that could be. I don't know who plays on Sunday night that week, but that could be a a like quadruple header, where your whole day is just football, 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 like overdosing on it
0: yeah best is a big quad guy you can see him in uh runner shorts
2: nah man i'm, I'm tall i got i kind of got i kind of got bird legs so not, i mean i wouldn't say bird legs but I, I was never i was never the guy in the locker room that that like you know had the daisy dukes on because i just had aj dylan thighs you know i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't exactly quadzilla you know what i mean i don't know man maybe i do <laughs> <laughs> well that's uh that's probably our cue there that does it for today's show big props to the chat as always we appreciate you guys before you roll out do us a favor by liking this video and if you haven't subscribed to this channel what are you doing what are you what are you doing we're pumping out a ton of content uh trying to make this the best place for chiefs fans to be and if you're an audio listener on apple podcast please consider giving us a five-star rating that helps us more than you know We will be back next Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel, 4.30 p.m. right here on Arrowhead Addicts YouTube. But until then, go Chiefs.